Good morning, everyone. It is great to see you guys today. Uh, my name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary Church, and I just want to welcome you guys. Um, it is great to see you. I, I don't uh, get tired in these last months and weeks of uh, getting to see people and, and worship together in person. It's a real joy, and I think I'm still reminded of that and what a privilege it is. So it's good to see you guys. Um, Guys, we're going to be uh, starting something new these next couple weeks, uh, looking at a particular practice of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. For the past 2,000 years, when Christians have looked for ways to grow in their knowledge of God um, and looked for practices on how to grow and develop as disciples of Jesus, no matter what group they are, they've uh, identified two different practices. No matter what location in the globe, no matter what time in history, no matter what differences in belief they have, every group of Christians has identified two things. Reading God's word and prayer. Reading God's words and prayer. These are fundamental to what it means to follow Jesus and to want to know God. These are the essentials for building disciples who love Jesus, live like Jesus, and help others to do the same. And if you're like me with looking at these two practices, I think you'll find one of them is harder than the other. Uh, I struggle with the discipline of prayer, and I have for a long time. Uh, and I think that is fairly common. Uh, for all of its simplicity, it can be very difficult to prayer and to have what we would characterize as a strong and a vivid prayer life, um, talking to God, knowing how to approach God in prayer. And, and I think for many of us, it can be in the d- most difficult moments, in the nightmare scenarios, that's when we turn to prayer. But other times, it can be easy to let that um, fall by the wayside. Um, Even Jesus' disciples had to ask Jesus, go to him and say, show us how to pray. We need help in this area. Um, And so this morning, we're going to start a study on prayer. We're going to look at why it is so important um, and why it was such a focus for Luke when he put his gospel together. When you look at the gospel of Luke, you see prayer everywhere. You see it all throughout the life of Jesus. And when you look at his next book, Acts, you see it all throughout the life of the church. Prayer is fundamental to what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, and what it means to be the church. And so we're going to take some time to look at this today and see that as disciples, we pray through Jesus and according to the example of Jesus. We pray through Jesus and according to the example of Jesus. So turn with me to Luke chapter 5. Verses 12 through 16. This is where we're going to begin to look at the importance of prayer and find some help in learning how to pray together. Um, This is what this says in Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. While Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but to go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded for a proof for them. But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Let's pray together as we dive into a study of God's word. Father, we thank you for this morning to gather and and worship together, sing songs to you, and and hear from your word this morning. Um, We ask it would edify us, it would teach us, and it would lead us to be those who can pray more effectively and grow in our knowledge of you. Father, more than anything, we ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts this morning would be pleasing and acceptable in your eyes, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. 
Amen. So this passage opens up in Jesus' early ministry in Galilee, the region just above Jerusalem. He hasn't been ministering very long, but even early in his public ministry, um, he has begun to gather a huge following. The crowds are coming out from everywhere to hear this person teach, to see the miracles that he's performing, to seek healing from him. And in verses 12 through 14, we see um, a common uh, sort of story in the Gospels. We see Jesus heal someone with a chronic disease of, of leprosy, something that would have been impossible for medical science to do. And Jesus asks this man not to go out and, and just spread the word. He has to kind of keep it a secret a little bit. Jesus is um, guarding against those who are following him for the wrong reasons, who are only searching for this uh, sort of man of the people, this, this miracle worker only. But even with this warning, the word is spreading and no one can contain it. People are coming from all over the place. They are swarming Jesus to try and get close to him. But as these crowds continue to grow and gather and flock to him, Jesus responds in a way that we would not expect. Where we might see the opportunities for fame and influence, Jesus does something different. Jesus prays. Jesus withdraws to desolate places, to the wilderness, a place where there is no one else and no one can follow him for a time of quiet prayer with no one but the Father. Jesus and the Father in prayer. And in this verse 16, which is kind of our focus today, the, the grammar, the way the sentence is put together shows that this is not a one-time thing. This wasn't Jesus needed a break that day and he went out into the desert to get some R&R. This is something that Jesus continually did over and over again. It was his practice to get away, to get by himself, and to continually be going into times of prayer. While most people would seek the approval of the crowds and the, popula- the popularity and the influence that would have come with that, Jesus sought quiet solitude and prayer. Jesus has so much to teach us about a life of prayer and its importance, and uh, that makes sense, right? He's Jesus. We have a lot to learn from Jesus about everything, so it makes sense that we should start with Jesus when we're looking at how to pray, and I think we're going to see that without Jesus, faithful prayer is impossible. We cannot pray without Jesus. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus' practice of prayer is front and center. You can't miss it if you see it. There are glimpses sprinkled throughout the book, just like verse 16, where prayer is highlighted in these key moments in Jesus' ministry. And so what we want to do today is we want to take a survey of these instances, these little nuggets, just like verse 16, and kind of put it together and see what we can learn about Jesus and his life of prayer. So As we start this, I think we need to start in in the simplest way possible and say, what does it mean to pray? What is prayer? And today we want to say that prayer is listening and speaking to God that transforms us. Prayer is listening and speaking to God that transforms us. Pastor uh, Tim Keller describes this prayer um, as our reply to God. Um, there is this instinct, this universal instinct that he speaks of, not just in Christianity, but all over the world, all over the globe. Um, for those who are in other world religions, those who are, are in tribal religions, to speak and call out to some power that is bigger than yourself. Um, to, to ask for guidance or aid or to cry out in, in desperation or in anger. All people have this sense of the divine, or as one theologian called it, an incurable God-sickness. There's something inside of us that, that calls us to call out to someone or something who can help us or guide us. There's this feeling of a greater power who we want to connect with. 
Now, when we look at this through Scripture, we see this is because we are built, we are designed to know God. And absent of any other message, we have the message that creation gives us. We have the fingerprint of our Creator in our world around us. We look at creation and we see the the evidence that God is powerful, that God is our Creator, and we want to know Him. We see what He has shown us in His creation, and we try to respond. And when we have the Bible, um, it shows us even more. Um, we, We learn more and more about who God is. We see what God has spoken to us, and we desire to join in that conversation. We desire to reply and speak to a God has reached out to us first. Now, we hear much more clearly than just in creation, just in nature around us, right? We have God's word that has been given to us. We have been told who God is and how we can reply to him. God's Word is this collection of writings that we have. It's the Bible, all of the different writers and books that have been put together that God is divinely inspired to give us His Word, to speak to us, to tell us who He is, to say that He is a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, that He is a God who is holy, holy, holy. We also see in his word what he has done for us. He is a God who has created us from nothing, who has sustained us each and every day, provided for our every need, who has given us purpose, who has forgiven us when we went astray, and who has redeemed us to a new life with him. This is who God is. Scripture shows us more of what God has spoken to us. But then most clearly of all, more clearly than, than creation, more clearly even than, than just Scripture itself, is the Word of God made flesh. Jesus Christ, God himself who comes to be with us. God becoming a real human being. In Jesus, we have the perfect mediator, the one who can go between us and give us all of God's message and let us see God in a really real way, see what God is like in the person of Jesus. And so, Jesus gives us the most clear message of all. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 tells us this, and we're going to look at this on the screen here. Um, Hebrews 1 through, 3, 1, 1 through 3 tells us that long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. This is the Old Testament. This is God's revelation in Scripture to us. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, Jesus He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Through Jesus, we are really able to know God. And we are able to enter into real conversation with him for the first time. In Jesus, in knowing Jesus in this clearest picture of who God is, our conversation changes. It's not just shouting out into the darkness to try and see if someone, something might answer to us. No, the conversation becomes like a a deep and personal conversation with our spouse, with our friend of many years, this uh, this conversation that comes with knowing, with really knowing and experiencing a person. This is where God, this is where Jesus brings us in prayer. So prayer is listening to what God has said to us through creation, through Scripture, and through Jesus, and replying and speaking back to God, engaging into a conversation. And when we really think about this, this makes total sense, right? The problem has never been with God. God doesn't have any issue knowing what's going on with us. He knows what we're saying. He knows what we're experiencing. He knows what we're thinking. The Bible tells us that God knows the number of hairs on our head because he put them there. God knows the number of atoms that make up our bodies at any given time. God has no problem knowing what's going on with us. We have a problem knowing what's going on with God. 
right? We are limited in, in being small, finite beings who have trouble grasping the immensity, the greatness, the, the amazing power of who God is. And we've been broken by our sin. It makes it hard for us to perceive, hard for us to understand what God is doing, what God is saying. And so we need the help, not God. And so in prayer, through God's revelation, we are entering into a conversation that God has begun and only God could begin. We can speak to God because God has spoken to us first. And this is good news for us. This is a beautiful picture of what, script, of what prayer is, entering into this real conversation, a conversation of knowing God truly. And when this happens, when we know God and we're speaking to Him, we are hearing from Him, this listening and replying, we are transformed. We are changed. Prayer is essential in changing who we are. We learn about God, our creator, our sustainer. That's a big deal, right? Engaging and knowing the uh, infinite being who made us and shapes us and sustains us and upholds the universe by his word. That should make a difference, right? When we know God and we are speaking with him, it renews our minds, scripture tells us. It transforms our thinking and it bleeds out into godly action in our lives. So prayer is essential for disciples because it is fundamental to a life of knowing and following God. Prayer is essential. And so if this is what prayer is, listening and replying to God, then it means, more than anything, as we said, that Jesus is essential for our prayers. Jesus is is essential. We cannot pray without Jesus. We like to say at this church, the way we describe discipleship is as someone who loves Jesus, lives like Jesus, and helps others do the same. And Jesus is essential for both of those first two, obviously, right? If we want to love Jesus, we must know him. Not just like we know facts about him, we must know him personally. And how do we do that? We do that by hearing what he says to us and speaking back to him. Prayer is that way of really, truly loving Jesus. And if we want to live like Jesus, then we look at prayer as an example of what it looks like to live like Jesus. Jesus was one who prayed. And so we must look at him as our example to how to live like Jesus, how a disciple who is following God should live. So prayer of the disciple just revolves around Jesus. It cannot be separated from who he is and what he does. And we see both of these in the Gospel of Luke. We see both the loving Jesus, knowing him, through prayer, and we see following his example in prayer. So we want to look at two ways today that Jesus is, is essential for our prayer life. We're going to say first that Jesus enables us to pray, and second that Jesus is our example in prayer. And these match those first two, loving Jesus and living Jesus, living like Jesus. So let's look at the first one. Jesus enables us to pray. This is saying very simply that prayer is not possible without Jesus. Jesus is the full revelation of God, as we said before. He is the image of the invisible God in the flesh, in a human form. And as uh, Colossians says, in him all the fullness of God dwells as a fully human person. So through Jesus, we hear God speaking to us, and we understand who he is. In his life, his death, and his resurrection, Jesus shows us the seriousness of our sin— he shows us our need for a Savior and our forgiveness and the, and the res- restoration that's possible that God gives us. So knowing God through Christ allows us to truly reply. We need to know about Jesus in order to know God and really reply to him. But Jesus is also the mediator between God and mankind. He's the go-between. He's the only one who can bridge that gap that separates us from God. When we are in Christ, we can approach God through him. 
Romans 8.34 talks about this, but I want to look today at um, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Um, the book of Hebrews is a beautiful picture of what Jesus does for us and is continuing to do for us post-resurrection, how he's continuing to care for us and minister to us. And in chapter 7, verse 25, it speaks about Jesus. It says, Consequently, he, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. We can approach God through Jesus and no other way. And Jesus is continually making intercession. He's praying on our behalf. He's bringing our needs and concerns before the Father. Jesus ensures that our prayers are heard, not just in a a simple way, heard and understood and cared for. This is what Jesus is doing for us right now, bringing our needs to the Father. And ensuring that our prayers are acceptable to him because we have been redeemed and forgiven by his blood. We are marked by the name of Jesus. We have entry into God's throne room. And this is why it is right for us to pray in Jesus' name, right? It's not just like a, the header or the footer on our email things, right? No, it means something. We do truly pray in the name of Jesus by which we've been saved, by which we've been marked, by which we've been redeemed and remade, We pray with the confidence of those who have the name of Jesus written on us, who are connected and united to Christ. Jesus makes it possible for us to pray. This leads us to our second thing, and where we really see the the book of Luke help us out here. Jesus is our example for prayer. Jesus is our example. Um, We've been focusing a lot on Jesus' divinity, right? His godness, how he um, shows us who God truly is and how he brings us to the Father and bridges that gap for us. But Jesus also became fully and truly human and experienced the same ordinary earthly life with all of its challenges, with all of its hardships that you and I live every single day. And because he became fully human, Jesus needed to pray. And he shows what a perfect human prayer life looks like. John 17, 21 shows us that Jesus' human relationship with God the Father is a model. That's what our relationship with God is based on. Only through that unity that we have with Jesus can we have the same unity that Jesus shares with the Father. Now, this is a big idea, but it really helps us understand why it is that Jesus is praying. Because if we first look at the Gospels and we see Jesus praying, and we know that Jesus is God, God's Son, come to us, Emmanuel, then we have some questions, right? Is Jesus talking to himself? This is a strange idea, right? Is Jesus just kind of going through the motions to show us what to do, but he really doesn't need to do this, right? He's kind of acting, play acting, so that we have an idea to do. No, that's, that's not true. Jesus' prayers are real. Jesus is truly praying as a human would. Jesus' prayer life reminds us that God is triune, right? That he's three persons uh, uh, in one God, Um, that in Jesus, when we see him praying, we get a peek into the inner life of God. We see the Son of God praying to God the Father in the power of God the Holy Spirit. This is a big idea, right? The The triune God is something that's a little beyond our ability to fully grasp, right? And that's okay. We can, we can marvel at this, that this picture that Scripture gives us of, of God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and just say, I'm not fully going to get this because you are the infinite God who made the universe, but I'm going to speak as faithfully as I can to the picture that Scripture paints of who God is. So we see that in, God, in Jesus' prayer life. But again, Jesus' prayer life is also that of one who is completely and truly human, Jesus is not God, like, inhabiting, like, a human, like, suit. That's not what the Bible shows us. Jesus had a fully human body, mind, and soul. 
And so Jesus, when he prays in his humanity, he shows us how essential prayer is. If the perfect human being Jesus needed to pray, then we really need to pray, like a whole bunch, because we are not Jesus. Um, We are not the perfect human being. So we need this, and we follow his example. Um, Jesus saw prayer as essential, and he makes it clear that his prayer life was indispensable to him. So this is one of the many ways that Jesus models and exemplifies the perfect life of obedience to God. So it is right for us to look to Jesus. It is right to us to look in the Gospel of Luke and say, how can we follow the example that Jesus gives us? Right? Not as a legalistic example that is a burden that we'll never meet, but how can we look at these practices that he gives us that are good, that are right, that we can emulate as people who are following Jesus, who are, want to be united to truly know God and experience him in prayer. So with the rest of our time today, I want us to look at the Gospel of Luke and see these little nuggets and try and compile them together and draw some lessons from Jesus' pattern of prayer. We want to look at a few lessons that Jesus gives us um, that we can follow as, as his disciples, as those who are followers of Jesus. Now, as we've said a couple times here, Jesus' prayer life is all over the book of Luke, if you look for it. Um, and a helpful exercise would be to get a, get a Bible that you can mark in and just go, and every time you see pray, just highlight it. You'll see a bunch of highlights. You'll see these, these little, like, glowing moments that, that go throughout the book of Luke. And nearly every major point in Jesus' ministry is marked by prayer. Jesus prays during his baptism. He's praying as the Holy Spirit comes down upon him. He prays before choosing the 12 disciples. He spends all night praying, in fact, before that decision. He is praying with his disciples when Jesus first confesses him as the Christ. Jesus is, uh, uh, during his transfiguration, this occurs on a trip that Jesus made with three of his disciples to go up on the mountain to pray. That was their purpose of that trip. It literally happened as he was praying, Luke 9, 28 says. And his example of prayer leads his disciples to come to him and say, show us what you're doing. Teach us how to pray like you're praying. Jesus prays in the garden before his arrest, and he's even praying during his crucifixion. At every major milestone in these key moments, Jesus is praying. Jesus prayed a lot. And he shows us the perfect prayer life. So what can we see here? What can we see between this perfect relationship with God and man that we can try and put into practice? Um, I have six lessons that we're going to see here. Six lessons for how Jesus prayed. First, Jesus prayed often and consistently. And uh, don't worry, you don't have to look up all of those verses. You can write them out if you want to. I want you to see that there, there's a lot of these places. There's a lot of pieces together. This is not just verse 516. Um, we see this in, in 516, though. We see that Jesus has this established pattern. He has this rhythm of life. Prayer is not the abnormal thing. It's not something he does when he has time. It's something he does over and over again. He does this with great frequency. He does this with great consistency. It's a regular thing that he does. The Gospel of Mark echoes this in Mark 1.35. It says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Um, Jesus has this regular time, even. It seems that he, it was his practice to go out before the day started to spend time in prayer. And that was a very common thing for Jewish people to do of that time. He had a daily time of prayer. He had a, he had a, a daily um, moment of the day that he prayed. There's consistency there. Um, and before he goes into any other part, before he gets caught up in the, in the needs of the crowd, the important needs, before he gets caught up in his teaching, he needs to spend this time in prayer. Jesus models to us what the apostle Paul called Christians to do, to pray continually. And so for Jesus, we see this is part of who he was. This was so built into the fabric of his life that he couldn't not do it. It was just natural for him to go and to pray with consistency. 
And we should have this similar pattern in our lives. We should build um, consistency and frequency into our prayer life as those who follow Jesus and his example. So Jesus prays often and with consistency. Second, Jesus prays with persistence. So how is this different than consistency, right? Persistence is when we have a firm or obstinate continuance in what we're doing. Um, in spite of any difficulty or, or hardship that comes, we are not going to be deterred from what we're doing. When it gets difficult, when there are distractions, when we're just not in the right mood, when we're not in the headspace, when we're too busy, we do not let these things keep us from what we need to do. We do not allow these things to keep us from times of prayer. Jesus prays in his, most wor- in his worst moments. Jesus prays as he is suffering, as he is in pain. Jesus shows that he is persevering. He's going to push through. He is going to continue in this because it is important. Luke 6, 12 describes a time when Jesus literally prays all night. That's hard to do. We get into like 10 minutes of a prayer meeting and like, man, this is really like stretching on. Like, can we move it through? Persistence in prayer. Often it is not easy for us to pray. It is not easy for us to persist. That's normal. That's okay. There are many distractions. There are many difficulties that will keep us from that. But disciples of Jesus persist in our prayer. We cling tightly to the promises of God, and we push through so that we might know him more. We hold tightly to him and do not let go, no matter what would try and keep us away from him. Colossians 4.2 tells us to devote ourselves to prayer. There is so much more to say on this idea of this persistence in prayer that we're actually going to follow up in a couple weeks, so I won't, uh, I won't labor this anymore. But we must pray with persistence. We must not let things keep us from this crucial um, discipline of coming to God in prayer. So Jesus prays with persistence. Third, Jesus prays in secret. Jesus prays in secret. And this doesn't mean that no one knew that Jesus prayed, right? We have examples of him. Clearly, the disciples saw him praying. They learned from his example. Um, in fact, it would have been pretty um, common. There was a lot less just praying in their heads for the Jewish people of that time. They would kneel oftentimes. They would raise their hands up. They may even bend down and put their head to the ground and speak aloud in their prayer life. So it's visible. But what it means uh, is that it is, it is guarding against making prayer about other people, right? It's guarding against making prayer a show for other people to see. This is, this is natural to try and seem holy, to seem righteous, to seem uh, like this praying, powerful person before the people around us. In Luke 18, Jesus tells a story that elaborates on this. He speaks about a, a respected holy man, a Pharisee, who goes to the temple and, and raises up and prays this grand, elaborate prayer with beautiful words and, and all the right motions and all the right attitude about how righteous God has made him. And there's this other man who comes at the same time who is known to be a sinner. He's known by his reputation. But he falls quietly to the ground and he prays, God, have mercy on me. I am a great sinner and I am greatly in need of your grace. Jesus says that's what prayer is. It's not for the people to see. It's for your relationship with God. It's about truly and humbly knowing that I am small, I am in need of grace, I am low, and I need the great God in his mercy to come and save me. Prayer is about the relationship with God. And so praying in secret is a withdrawal from the temptation to pray for the praise of other people. It helps us make sure that prayer is truly about listening and talking to God. And listening is hard to do when we're looking at all of the people around us, isn't it? It's hard to pray when we're seeing people around us. It makes it difficult to listen for what God is saying. So Jesus goes into the desolate places to meet with God apart from any distraction. And while this doesn't mean we can never pray with other people or we can never pray as the church— It does mean that we have a private prayer life, too. We have an individual prayer life, and it means that we must pray with sincerity. Prayer is about God and not 
other people. We pray in secret. Fourth, Jesus prayed with intention. Jesus prayed with intention. And this kind of follows from those other things, right? It follows by seeing the totality of all of these instances. Um, That in order to become frequent, in order to be consistent in our prayer life, it takes actual planning. It's not something that just falls into place. It's not something that just happens. Prayer is a discipline. It is something we learn. It is something we cultivate over time. And we learn to do better. Jesus, in order to reach this prayer life, must have prioritized prayer in his life and refused to let other concerns choke it out. Um, it, it must come first. It cannot be treated as an add-on. We uh, are so busy, probably even more so than in Jesus' day. We have so many distractions. We have so many things that can choke out times to listen and speak with God. But the things that we do, the things that we invest our time and our energy and our thought into, those are the things we care about. Those are the things we prioritize. And so if we are not praying, it means that we have not counted prayer worthy of our time and worthy of our planning to make the time for praying. Practically, this means we have to do some of the like, things that are not very uh, romantic in our ideas of praying. Setting a schedule, setting a set time, finding a resource that helps us pray. Prayer is a discipline, something that we work towards. And, and we can do this in many ways. We can read God's Word, know more about God, and pray God's Word back to Him. We can learn from other Christians through the writings that they've left us or through their example by observing them. We can use written prayers that, have, that help organize our thoughts, help bring us before God and, and remove the clutter. We learn, by, we learn to pray by praying, by doing it a lot, by doing it over and over again when we don't feel like it and by setting aside times and specific places so that we can pray with consistency. Now, this can feel forced and unnatural, right? Say, oh, this isn't genuine prayer if I plan to do it or if I have this, this thing written out, right? Well, I don't think that's the case. I, think, I understand that feeling, and I feel it too, but that's not the case. If I plan a date for my wife, she's not going to go, this is not real. You know, you planned this. It's not, it's not genuine, if I write a, a letter to my wife telling her how much I care about her, she's not going to be like, oh, you wrote that. That doesn't count. It has to be off the cuff. You need to think of it right now. In fact, sometimes when you write something in advance, it can be a lot more meaningful than when you're just trying off the top of your head to come up with something good, right? Both are there. We can have spontaneous moments of prayer, but we can also have set aside dedicated times where we've in advance thought about what we are going to say. Both are genuine, both are real, and both grow our relationship with God. We must commit to the discipline and repetition of praying with intention, or it won't happen. Number five, we pray out of dependence. This is another one that's so big, we're going to follow up on this in a couple weeks, because we can't touch on it completely here. But, but we'll try. We'll do a little bit. Uh, as a fully human person, Jesus needed prayer in his life and ministry. He was dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit for direction of the Father to live a perfect life of obedience. And this shows his true humanity, as we've said. And if Jesus, the perfect human being, who is fully and truly God, needed prayer for direction and how to uh, to live his life, and needed prayer for his day-to-day, then so do we. And Jesus shows this in two main ways. First, Jesus um, shows that we need prayer in order to avoid temptation and live in obedience. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray that they would not lose heart in chapter 18 and when they face difficulties and persecution. He instructs them to pray that they would not enter into temptation. 
Prayer is our lifeline. It's our source of strength. It's our aid when we are unable to avoid doing what is wrong, the temptation that so easily ensnares us, and to do what is right, what is beyond our own ability and willpower to do. Prayer is the power that God gives us to truly follow Him. Um, and prayer also, we see it, the dependence. So there's this praying to, to avoid temptation and to follow God, but also there's the prayer for our daily sustenance, our daily provision. Disciples pray um, that God would provide their daily bread, their food, their shelter, their clothing. And in doing so, we recognize that these things don't come because of our hard work, because of our talent, because of our, our strength. They're all gifts from God, that every good and perfect gift is a gift from God. We only breathe our next breath because God gives it to us and God sustains us. And that prayer reminds us of this dependence, this total dependence we have. We need God and the strength that he provides in his spirit to live a life following Jesus and to breathe and continue living and surviving in a day-to-day. We are totally dependent. And finally, number six, Jesus prays for the mission. Jesus prayed for the mission. Jesus came to earth to seek and to save what is lost, to proclaim the kingdom of God, that there is forgiveness of sins, that Jesus, that God has, has not left the world in its sin. He has come to restore it and make all things new. And in Luke 6, as we saw Jesus praying through the night, we see that he is praying for direction as he goes throughout that mission, right? He is not choosing his disciples without consulting the Father, without being in the Spirit, as he chooses who will be his main disciples, those who he will teach, and those who will carry this mission, this gospel, on throughout the whole world. He needs the direction that that God provides him through prayer. Prayer must direct our steps as individuals, and it must direct our steps as a church, We are not on our own. We have been given the direction of the Spirit, and we need only to ask and come to God in prayer to know where we must go as people, as families, as a church, as Calvary Church, to know how to go about our mission. And Jesus also directs us to pray towards others, especially those who do not know God. In Luke chapter 10, we see that he is instructing his disciples as he sends them out, and he tells them to pray for workers to go into the harvest. To pray for God to call people to take the gospel message throughout the world. To share the message with everyone, everywhere, to be witnesses of Jesus. This is what Jesus prayed for, for the gospel to go out. And so we must pray in the same way, praying for the mission of the church, praying for the gospel to be heard for all kinds of people everywhere. So in these six ways, the gospel shows us the rich prayer life of Jesus. And we would do well to study the prayers of Jesus as we seek to grow in our own prayer life. As we wrap up here, we see disciples of Jesus pray through Jesus according to the example that Jesus gives us, and that transforms who we are. We pray with Jesus. And you and I should not leave here today with guilt and anxiety over how our prayer life might not match up to what we see in the Gospel of Luke, right? Um, we must remember that Jesus is our example, but he's not only our example. He's not just an example that burdens us and weighs us down and crushes us under a weight that we can never meet. He is God himself who came to us. And that is the heart of the gospel, isn't it? That Jesus did not come to give us a huge list of things that we could never do. Jesus came to us to save us. And through him, we can boldly come to God. We can enter into a real relationship with him, a real conversation with God. And that through Jesus, 
God promises to see and to hear and to know what we are going through. That is a beautiful promise. We pray to the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. Prayer is a, is a precious gift, church. So let us run to Jesus in prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And we are thankful that you have spoken to us. That you reached down to us when we could not reach to you. Father, in many times and in many places you have spoken, but you have spoken most clearly in your Son. And in him you have promised that all of our needs come before you and you hear them. We thank you for this, Lord. We thank you for the salvation that Jesus brings us. Father, I pray that we would learn from Jesus and his example as we come to you, Lord, and that you would remove the guilt, that you would remove the obstacles and the distractions, and you would help us to simply and humbly come to you and listen and come to you and speak. Help us to pray, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.